Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, October 10. Not a thought that you think originates with you. Paramahansa Yogananda wrote in Autobiography of a Yogi, Thoughts are universally and not individually rooted. Your most precious inspirations are not your own. You have merely caught a current of thought that was already flowing through the universe. Thoughts, in turn, are only manifestations of divine consciousness. Therefore, Yogananda said also, I suffer when you have moods, for I see then that Satan has a hold of you. Think when negativity wells up within you, Satan is trying to catch me. To rid yourself of such possession, chant to God and raise your level of energy in the spine. Soon you will find positive thoughts and feelings fairly pouring into your mind. It's a very interesting, the whole thing there, that that single idea of Master from Autobiography of a Yogi. Thoughts are not individually individual, they are universal. Because thoughts are inside our head, we think they're us. Michael Singer, who wrote a wonderful book called The Surrender Experiment, has this image, which I I absolutely adored, so I have to give him credit. I can't take credit. He says, when 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 your thoughts are churning, he said, if you think about it, there are your thoughts, and then there are, there is you listening to your thoughts. And he suggests that you think of your thoughts as a, as a very talkative roommate. And he said, and if you were living with a roommate who was always talking to you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't mistake that roommate for yourself. And you wouldn't necessarily believe the roommate just because he was talking to you. And even just that simple thought, there's always somebody listening to your thoughts. He says the listener is the true self. And the thoughts are just a, the, somebody who lives in your head, who comes in and out. And we, we tend to think that our thoughts are us. And we just take them very, very seriously and get very, very involved in them. Now, the whole premise of his book, which is extremely interesting, I'll say it again because it's a good book, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. And uh, it, uh, it, he goes on from that theme and very, very cleverly explains a lot of principles of self-realization on a very high level, but in a very good way, uh, in a way that lots of people can grasp. Now, coming back to what I was wanting to say. So this, and he, he's a, a devotee of Yogananda, which is why the thought, the idea matches. Thoughts are universal, they're not individually created. There are multiple, there are endless stratas of consciousness that simply exist in the universe. Now think about this. When you're with someone and that person is depressed, for example, and they're depressed, you don't know um, what's troubling them, but everything that happens reinforces their sense of being distressed, depressed, doesn't it? 
every thought, everything that's going on. You, by contrast, could be really cheerful and you could be having exactly the same experience. And this one is choosing constantly of, of the choices that could be made to feel unhappy and sad. And this one is having the same experience and picking out of all that reasons to be cheerful and happy. Now, if this one, who's inclined to be depressed, suddenly gets really good news, maybe they thought that the person they really liked wasn't going to call them for a second date, and then all of a sudden they get a text inviting them to a second date. Bingo! The same world all of a sudden looks really terrific, doesn't it? Now, was it because they got the second date? Or was it because they just shifted from one, what would you call it, radio broadcast to another? I mean, that's uh, in the days, and again, I date myself with this, when we used to have radios, which we still have in our cars, but we don't use them in the same way. You don't usually spin a dial. But you used to have a radio where you would spin a dial and it would move across like this. You would find the frequency. And what was so amazing about it, a radio, in that sense, it's still true on the internet, actually, um, it's all there. It's not like, it's not created in the moment. You simply receive it. And the radio waves were the most dramatic because you just spin that dial across like this. Sports, news, you know, some, some stories being broadcast, this, this. You just spin it back and forth. And whatever you're tuned into, you're receiving. And that means it's in the room. It's in the universe. All I've done is tune my receiver. And we, our brain, our thoughts, our consciousness, our feelings, far more than it's flattering to admit, we are just radio receivers that attune ourselves to a particular vibration of consciousness. And then the roommate inside our heads gets real interested in that and starts talking to us about it, whether it's depressed or happy or whatever it is, and then it shifts, shifts to a different radio program. And that's who we think we are for a few minutes. And to a, a really appalling degree, a great deal of what we call ourselves just depends on what we're tuned to. That's why, you know, somebody can be very angry and then not angry, very depressed and then not depressed you know, very this and then very that. And we're still just the same one. We just keep spinning the dial like this. So that actually is a tremendously powerful reality because if we experience our thoughts and observe our thoughts, it's quite different than identifying with our thoughts. And also, we don't have to feel trapped by those thoughts because it is just a level of consciousness that we've tuned into. Swami tells a story in his own autobiography about he was not inclined to be moody, but one day he started feeling moody. He, he started feeling that um, his guru, it's not that his guru didn't love him, but that somehow he wasn't living up to what his guru wanted of him. He just started, started falling into this mood. And, and then all of a sudden he thought, he, sort of, he said to his mental citizens, you know, are we enjoying this? And he realized, no, we're not enjoying this at all. But he couldn't break out of it just by trying to talk himself out of it. So he, what he did is he, he retuned the radio. So he went into his meditation room and he um, sat down at his harmonium and he began chanting one of Master's chants, you know, something that was very dynamic and very beautiful, door of my heart, 
open wide I keep for thee, wilt thou come, wilt thou come? And all of a sudden, his what had been a certain program playing in his mind was suddenly taken over, both by melody and by poetry. And all of a sudden, he was simply listening to another radio station. And as soon as he was listening, it, I mean that symbolically, as soon as he was tuned into a different vibration of consciousness, all of those other thoughts, he could just see them for what they were. And this is where Master said that, I suffer when you have moods. By that he meant dark moods of unworthiness or sadness or loneliness or nobody loves me-ness, whatever, you know, and God knows there's a lot of them that they come in because I see then that Satan has a hold of you. And, what, and by that, he, he literally means that there is a strata of consciousness, an active force. We, we call it the devil, and that's a good name for it, because it's devilish in its intent, and it's not passive. And that's where the idea of the devil comes from. Now, let's not take this too far and try to figure out what he looks like and who he is. But there is a downward pulling force in the universe. And quite apart from your theology, we all experience it. We all experience the temptation to do the wrong thing. We all experience the temptation to be victimized, to feel angry. We all experience the temptation not to get out of bed when the alarm goes off, but to just, to say, I'll get up early and meditate and exercise tomorrow. You know, it's something that tries to persuade us. And Swami talked about how Satan insinuates himself into our thoughts and then tries to use our own logic. Swami talked about a time when he was um, very, very busy doing a great deal of teaching all over the Bay Area, all over around the San Francisco area where he was living at that time, teaching every night of the week and then driving to Ananda Village several hours away and giving retreats on the weekend. Absolutely just so demanding and so much work. And he said he was driving in the car one night and all of a sudden he said he felt a cold come into him. And he just felt it enter him just in a second like that. And as soon as it came into him, he said he felt the, the satanic force trying to force him to the, relate to the idea of disease. Oh, you're so tired. You're so weak. You've been pushing yourself so hard. Of course you're going to get sick. What did you expect to happen? And he said part of it was that it was like the logic was, it was like seductive. It was seductive logic. And he could feel, well, he could actually feel that Satan, part of Satan's technique was to force Swami to relate to him, to relate to the idea of being sick, of being tired, and all of this. And Swamiji said he just gathered up all his energy, and in a very loud voice, he spoke both to the thoughts in his head and to the germs in his body, Get out! Get out! He was alone in the car. Get out! Get out! And he said, immediately, he felt them all retreat. You know, it's like he just rejected. He rejected the level of consciousness on which that was happening. And he just elevated his energy to a different strata where disease was not going to enter into him. He said, and it just didn't. It went away. Now, that's a very powerful, that very powerful control. But what he realized is he didn't have to relate to those ideas. A friend of mine, lovely person, lovely woman, she had all the virtues in the world, 
except a sense of self-worth, I guess you would say. Maybe self-confidence, but it was deeper than that. It was more like self-worth. And her mind, no matter what she did, no matter how well she did it, her mind would spin on how worthless she was. And she was a person who liked to go out in the outdoors and liked to camp a lot. And so she was talking to me about this. I, I tried to reason with her, not very successfully, but she understood that this was not helping her. And I tried. To, we talked about this. She was involved in these teachings, so she had some idea of what I was saying. I said, if you're camping and you're in an area where there's a rattlesnake and a rattlesnake comes and bites you, you know, and you get the rattlesnake off and now you have venom in your system, you don't start thinking about the venom. You don't start wondering where venom comes from. You don't start thinking about why did this particular rattlesnake bite me? You know, you just, you don't do, you don't relate to it. You, this is a life or death emergency. You simply activate what's necessary to get to where you need to get that venom out of your system. I said, Every time those negative self-worth thoughts enter your mind, you are in a life or death emergency. And the most important thing is that you not take them seriously. You have been bitten by a poisonous snake. Even if it's the middle of the night, you must jump out of bed and do whatever you need to do to break the hold those thoughts have on you. March around. You know, Swami has taught us these what he calls superconscious living exercise, you march around and say, I'm awake and ready, I'm awake and ready, I'm positive, energetic, enthusiastic. Whatever it takes, you sing the national anthem in a loud voice. Anything except, except thinking that those thoughts should be taken seriously. Because there's, as, soon as, they, as soon as they make you relate to them, they have won. Period. And it's life or death. You know, it's, and that's how we have to think about it. We don't, there's, nothing, there's nothing inherent, you see. It's just consciousness. They don't originate with us. That's why the idea is so important. This thought is not me. I am a, a radio receiver. And the dial has gotten stuck. And I just have to get a hold of the dial and turn it. Because playing with equal, in fact, greater strength and much more clarity is the Divine Song. It, the Divine Song is always playing. All we have to do is put ourselves in tune with it, and all of a sudden, we're saints. It's really as simple as that, except then the dial slips. But when the dial slips, it's not I who have slipped. It's not I who've suddenly become something awful. It's just that the dial has slipped, or to use Michael's singer's phrases, the roommate is talking to me. I just need to leave the room or I have to just, you know, get a sock and put it in the roommate's mouth so he can't do it anymore. Just get him to stop. I don't have to listen to you. Who are you to tell me? You know, and that's how we have to feel about it. That's why Master called it Satan because he really wanted us to understand that when we're in that reality, we're, we're, we're out of our minds. We're literally out of our minds. And he, Swami uses the word possessed in quotes because he doesn't want us to get into this. The devil has possessed me, which has a different meaning, but not entirely different. We are temporarily, we've been hijacked. Our truth has been hijacked and we just need to get it back. And we need to practice. If we have a long-standing habit 
of believing those bad thoughts when they come into our minds. It's just a habit. It's nothing. I mean, where is it? You know, where is it? You can't find it. It's not like somewhere. It's just in here. And in here is our private turf. We just have to get rid of it and bring in somebody else. It's worth practicing, believe me. You can change yourself phenomenally once you just get that simple truth. Thoughts are not individual. They're universal. Change the station. You change your reality. Not a thought that you think originates with you. Paramhansa Yogananda wrote in Autobiography of a Yogi, thoughts are universally and not individually rooted. Your most precious inspirations are not your own. You have merely caught a current of thought that was already flowing through the universe. Thoughts in turn are only manifestations of divine consciousness. Therefore, Yogananda said also, I suffer when you have moods, for I see then that Satan has a hold of you. Think when negativity wells up within you, Satan is trying to catch me. To rid yourself of such possession, chant to God and raise your level of energy in the spine. Soon you will find positive thoughts and feelings fairly pouring into your mind. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.